And the series is Thriving in Chaos. And this message today is titled Creative Worship. Who of you are watching here, miss standing in this sanctuary and raising your hands and worshiping the Lord as loud as you can, having the worship team support you in that worship. Boy, we all miss it and love that. But you know, that's not happening right now. And 2,500 years ago, there was a bunch of refugees who were living in squalor in camps in what we now know as Iraq. They had been forcibly uh, deported against their own will to that Babylonian empire. Daniel and his friends, they were truly victims of an absolute deliberate attempt to destroy the ethnic identity of these young men so that they would embrace the culture of the Babylonian region. For them, the culture was associated with faith in their God. And he was known as Yahweh. And their worship was the center of their sanctuary of, of praise in the temple in Jerusalem. But listen to this. Hear the anguish in their expression of what is going on. This is in Psalms 137, verses 1 through 4. By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept. And when we remembered Zion, on the willows there were, uh, we hung up our lyres. For there, for there are captors required of us, songs and our tormentors, our mirth, saying, sing us. One of those songs of Zion. Can you imagine? It was almost, I don't know if they just wanted to hear them sing because they've done it so well, or if it was just plain mockery that they were um, presenting to them. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land, they were thinking. And yet, despite the chaotic adversity, in the lives of the, the Holy Spirit was working creatively in this intervention in their lives. That's what I love about our walk in Christ. And none of this catches any of us, well, it doesn't catch him off guard, it may catch us off guard. What the people of Jesus' time, I don't think they really grasp what they had that was prepared for them 600 years prior. But they knew that, well, at that time, 600 years prior, they had no choice to do worship differently. Much of the Old Testament was written down for the very first time then in poems and prophecies and songs and stories and sayings from the generation to generation was written down to make sure that they would not lose or have lost any of that under that yoke of the Babylonian oppressors. Synagogues were invented because if they could not go to the temple, they wanted somewhere where they could go and worship. The Sabbath and the kosher diet was, well, something that was extremely important to them. And, and, and listen to me on this. Clinging on to the details 
of that, that Sabbath and the kosher diet was so important to him because it was marking themselves as the people of God to the surrounding people that was around them who were ungodly and didn't have any concern or any respect or any care about their God. You see, here's, here's what's interesting is that you think that on a Sunday when we read lunch, and we are talking about that and, and keep us in prayer uh, that, that we'll do this right, and we will. But, but when we read lunch and you're coming to church, you're not just coming to church to feel good or to worship, yet you are. But what you're doing too is that you are walking out of your house you're getting into your vehicle, you're driving here, and that you're parking in this parking lot and walking into this, this uh, sanctuary. And what you're doing is that you are making a statement of marking yourself as a child of God. Now get ready for this. Worship was reinvented to cope with that chaotic circumstances back then. You probably see where I'm coming with this. We're confined to our homes and unable to go to church, and where it's frightening enough for hearing all that is being that's happening in the culture around us. So, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land in a completely different atmosphere? What in this chaotic world are we meant to do with all this? Do we just sit at home and murmur, complain? It's not what we're used to. It's not, not what, what is happening and what we don't like. I, I can remember times when, when we don't use, stop using the hymnals as we used to, and we would be using more of the, the more uh, up-to-date songs, and we would put them on our, our board behind me, and, and people saying, well, uh, that's so different, and well, because we're taking them out of what they were used to doing. And people don't like change, and we don't like change of what is happening now. But are we going to just hang up our guitars or harps or whatever and say, that's it, worship is over for five and a half months, almost six months we're getting into. And you may be wondering, what in the world is that pastoral staff doing as we are, everything has been shut down? Well, I could assure you as a congregation that there is plenty of worship that's going on in this pastoral staff. And even like the refugees of the waters of Babylon, we are reinventing ourselves, and we are reinventing ministries that we will be launching in this church in the weeks to come. And we are not done, and I'm so thankful that we are not done in allowing the Holy Spirit to do his creative work within our lives. The best, the best, the best is yet to come. Now, let's take a look at Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. And this is in the Message Bible. The disciples went and did exactly what Jesus told them to do. 
I love that. You see, it's far more than just being hearers of the word. They did what the, he asked them to do. And it was something so very strange to go and get this donkey from this man that no one knew until we want that beast and that he would give it up. And it was obviously, it was never written on before. So it was something that he may have just purchased or had. So they just took it and he yielded to that. They led the donkey and the colt out, laid some of their clothes on them, and Jesus mounted. They put their own clothes on that donkey that he could sit on it comfortably. And nearly all the people in the crowd threw their garments down on the road, giving him a royal welcome. Others cut branches from the trees and threw them down as a welcoming mat. Crowds went ahead and crowds followed. And I could see as people followed, people running up in front of the crowd because they wanted to see this again and yelling and hollering. And well, they calling out, Hosanna to David's son. Blessed is he who comes in God's name. Hosanna in the highest of heavens. And as he made his entrance into Jerusalem, the whole city was shaken. Something was happening. I, I love that statement because when, when Christ enters into our lives, something is shaken. Our world is shaken. I believe that when we come together in, as a body of Christ, there is an atmospheric change. I believe that when, when a, a believer is in a hospital and that doctor walks into that hospital room of that believer, he could feel an atmospheric change because there is a shaking because God is present in that room because he promised never to leave us or forsake us. Unnerved, though, the people were asking, what's going on here? Who is this? And the prayed crowd answered. The people answered. This is the prophet Jesus, the one from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, I, I think that when we walk that walk of Christ, we don't have to always identify who we are. Other people say who we are. Palm branches were regarded at that time as a token of joy and triumph. And it was often the customary use in festive occasions. But this was nothing like they have ever experienced again. They had no set of custom in how to worship in that circumstance. So they reinvented a worship practice. And the interesting thing is that reinvention of that worship practice of Jesus entering in uh, to Jerusalem, um, we know as Palm Sunday, is 2,000 years later, people are still getting palm branches and taking them home to be a reminder of that magnificent day. In the middle of this chaos, Whatever we do, we must not stop worshiping. Not because we think that God would be upset with us, but because we will miss 
what God has for us. Family of God, you and I, you and I have been created for worship. You know what? Look at that person beside you. And there when you're sitting in your home or wherever you may be and saying, you know, you were created for worship. And if you're alone, you need to say that out loud. I have been created for worship. We don't go to worship to just enjoy ourselves. Yet when we do worship, we come away happier and healthier. Let me repeat that because it's so important. When we do worship, we come away happier and healthier. So I want us to take a look at being creative in our worship during this whole pandemic time in this chaos little world. So let's talk about praise under pressure and understanding that. A few months back, wow, I read about a Christian man in the Soviet Union many years ago called Dmitri. This is quite a story. And, and see, Dmitri was put in prison because he was, um, well, because of his faith. But they were so angry at him, they put him in a prison that was the worst of the worst criminals that were there. There were 1,500 of them. And here's, here's what he did, is that he loved God so much, and he didn't want to forget that walk that he had with Christ, he would find strips of paper and then he would write down on the strips of paper scripture that he could remember and didn't want to forget and he would put it on the wall of his cell. And then he would begin to sing praises to the Lord as loud as he can and those songs are that he could remember. The guards that liked this, every morning they would go in they would rip down those pieces of paper with the scripture on it, and they would beat him again and again and again. And here's, here's, they wanted to break this man. He was there for several years, and this was repeated. And one time they told him, we want you to know that we executed your wife and your children just to break them, which they didn't do. But he would get up the next morning. He would have that pieces of paper, the scripture written on it, posted, knowing he's going to be beaten again. And he would sing the songs that he could remember. After a couple years that these guards got fed up with him, they drug him down into the courtyard of, of that prison where all the prisoners could watch. They tied him to a post, and they were about to beat him. Then all of a sudden, get this, those hard, worst of the worst of the worst criminals, they all came to the bars looking over that courtyard where that man was about to be beaten to death, and, and they raised their hands, and they started to sing the song that that one believer in that prison sang. Those, those guards, they looked at him and they said, who are you? And he replied, I am the son of the living God whose name is Jesus. 
They didn't know what to do with him. They canceled the execution and they took him back to his cell. Eventually, after a long time, he was released. But his praise to the Lord kept him going. During this pandemic, we have heard of the power of giving thanks, how the reality of it is so positive and so powerful. Across the country, there would be those times where where people would know that there were essential workers going to work at a certain time. They would literally go out of their houses or lean out of their windows. They would applaud. They would yell. They would be fans of celebrating the life of that individual that they are putting, putting themselves in that, that DMZ zone of that pandemic to be able to serve that community. And they would cheer them on. The amazing thing is that I'm sure that that made those essential workers feel good. But it's known that those people were giving thanks also felt so much better because they were taking their minds off of themselves and putting it on someone else. There's an old adage that goes this way, count your blessings, name them one by one. And it actually works, my friend. In 2015, there was a study of 293 adults assessing that university psychological services in America. All of them received counseling. One third of them were asked to write letters um, each week to someone that they wanted to give thanks to. One third was asked to write down their deepest thought and the one third was well not to ask to do anything but just go through that counseling. After four weeks, those who wrote those letters to thank people for what they've done, mentally, their health was better. This went on for 12 weeks. And the amazing thing is that those, those letters really were never sent out, but it was irrelevant. It would have been nice that those letters could have gone out, but it was irrelevant because how it was impacting those individuals of giving thanks to people who they thought so well of. But see, the thing is, is that it made them happier and it made them healthier. And of course, as Christians, we are aware that it is far more than just giving thanks for other people, but our thanks unto the Lord. <laughs> when I read this, I love this because there was a well-known minister who was once asked, what would he miss most if he was an atheist? And he thought, an atheist, what would I miss? He goes, well, I think the worst moment for an atheist is when he is really thankful and has no one to thank for it. See, these are times that are really difficult. They're, they're challenging times in which we are living in. And after you have maybe watched this sermon, I want you to, to write down things that you're thankful for to God. And, and, and then thank Him. I'm thankful for, for a wife who who believes in me, who, 
who I know that prays over me, one who loves me more than I absolutely deserve, one who loves God more than she loves me. <laughs> I'm so grateful for that. I thank God for in this chaos that he has not only comforted me, but he has given me the word of the Lord for this congregation. I want you to know, church, is that these are not some nice thoughts that I have been sharing with you. This is a word of the Lord that is laid upon my life, literally for you. There is a need for that physical expression that we have because we as human beings, we love to be able to feel that song. We love it when we gather together as a congregation to be able to express our worship unto the Lord and, and to have the worship team well back us up as we praise God. So what do we do, well, in all this? Can I tell you that I have, well, it's not a secret, but I have a way to make your worship experience greater than you ever could imagine. I spoke of this in an email that I sent out a few weeks ago. And, well, some of you may have gotten it from it's the pastor's email list. And, and if you are, have not received that, well, showing up beside me is my email address. Send me your, your name and your email address, and I'll be sure that you get on that list of that weekly email that I sent up because it's, it's something I'm going to encourage you in, things I want to keep you updated in about the church. Now, others may have gotten and haven't opened it, and I, it's that I say, ouch. Or a few, I hope just a few, maybe just has, has deleted it before they opened it. Either way, I believe you need to hear this again or for the very first time. In the Amplified Bible, Psalms 118.24 says, This day in which God has saved me is the day in which the Lord has made let us rejoice and be glad in it. Here is, well, something that we often forget. And that is, we think that the circumstances around us dictate to our ability to rejoice. Did you hear that? Sometimes we think that the circumstances around us will dictate to us the ability of how we can worship the Lord. Well, here's some great news, my friend. As a follower of Jesus Christ, did you know that the Holy Spirit dwells within you? And if you need proof of that, just check out John 14, verses 16 through 17, or 1 Corinthians 12, 3. And if the joy of that fruit of the Spirit that is in you, that means that, well, He dwells in you. That means the joy is already here. Now, here's what I could, well, could be an absolute, well, life-changing uh, understanding. And that is the circumstances cannot rob you of your joy. You don't have to try to get joy or to manufacture it because it is already here. Just as we have the ability to love, to experience peace, or have patience or share kindness and 
faithfulness and gentleness. And that one thing that we all really want is is self-control dwells already in us as the fruit of the Spirit, as in Galatians 5, 22, 23 shares. So the whole world around us think that we have lost their joy because of the chaos. Well, my friend, body of Christ, can I tell you something? Stand up. Give God a shout of joy in the middle of this mess. You may want to do that right now. Just stand up and give him a shout. Hallelujah! When Paul and Silas were in the middle of that chaos in their lives, they were in that prison cell where they were beaten. That circumstance was not conducive to, to any kind of atmosphere of worship. What they did in Acts 16, verses 16 through 40, is that they opened their mouth because that joy was not in the environment or in the circumstances. It was within them, and they began to sing those praises unto the Lord. Well, it began to shake things up, didn't it? It shook everything around them. Listen to Psalms 47.1. It tells us, so clap your hands, all you people. All you It's not just you worshipers or good, talented singers. All you people, shout to God with a voice of triumph and sing songs of joy. I've heard that. On some Sunday nights, there are people who are putting candles in their windows because they want to have an expression of hope for our world. What I want you to know is that hope is not in that candle. That hope is in Jesus Christ. So let's get creative. In Genesis 1, it tells us that human beings are made in the very image of God. That's you and I. We are created in his image. And it also tells us that God created the universe. So if we are in God's image, we should be a creative people. And this I know, and that is this, that we are not all created the same way. And for that, I say hallelujah. And my friend, you don't have to be some Michelangelo that, that to be, and all of us to be that, to be creative. God has each and every one of us as a masterpiece of his creation. And it's good and it's godly to express our creativity in whatever way that we can. So let's sound a worship be heard. Let that sound of worship be heard. It's just like Daniel. I would assume that he would open that windows up in his room he would shout out praises unto the Lord. Let's us open up the windows, maybe of our homes, our cars. Well, open up the windows of heaven and begin to have that joyful shout unto the Lord. I read this past week about a doctor that he said making music is an exercise of the brain as well as the body. By singing it particularly beneficial for improving our breathing, our posture, and our muscle tension. He even goes on, it says it absolutely creates within us a well, enzymes or whatever it may be to make us healthier. Because we can be healthier in that praise. Why? Because that's 
how he created us. So listen, my friend. I think that I want us to be together as a church soon, and that day will come. But he has created us to be people of worship right where you are. And as, as, um, as, as Paul and Silas, the only thing they had to do is to open their mouth. The only thing that we got to do is to begin to open our mouth and begin to sing those praises unto the Lord with everything that we have. And here's the beauty of all this, my friend. You may not always know all the worship songs that we sing online here in our online worship. But you are at home. What you are able to do is that you could pause that, that, that recording and you could begin to sing your favorite songs unto the Lord. Let it be heard. Give a shout unto the Lord. Go ahead and stop it and praise him. Sing your hearts out. Most likely, your neighbors can't hear you. And if they do hear you, what they are not going to do is come knocking on your door and tell you to stop. So sing it out. As you remember in Acts 16.25, when Paul and Silas were in prison, and listen to this, about midnight, that's, well, everything's quiet down, except for Paul and Silas, were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. They heard what was being said. You see, people see the character of our life. And when they see the praise, the worship that we have, they see that character. And there is a shaking. As Jesus entered into Jerusalem, there was a shaking of that community that was going on. When Paul and Silas began to praise God, there was a shaking in that cell, that prison that was happening. Our world has a shaking going on. This gives them a new kind of shaking. Let the body of Christ begin to live that life of worship and praise that we sing our hearts out for the Lord. As the Westminster Catechism wrote in the 16th century, the chief end of humanity is to worship God and enjoy Him forever. So I tell you, family of God, lift up your voices, sing praises. You want to feel happier and healthier? It is through your worship unto the Lord that He will minister to you. In this chaotic environment, we can be creative in our praise unto him because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. I don't have to look for that joy. I don't have to manufacture that joy. I just open my life and allow that spirit of the fruit of the spirit, that joy to begin to flow forth. And when that does, look out. Because there will be a whole atmospheric change that be around.